The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. So the book of Ecclesiastes, somewhere near the center of your Bible, and uh, the large numbers are the chapters and the small numbers are the verses. So we're going to be in chapter 7, verse 1 through 10. So let me read for us out loud today. The Bible says, A good name is better than a good ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool, and this too is futility. For oppression makes a wise man mad, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Do not be angry uh, or eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you take, um, that you ask this. So would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Then we'll look at a few points in this passage today. Our Father, we do come to You and thank You for the opportunity to have studied the Bible in our Sunday school, our Bible study hour. We thank You for the opportunity to fellowship with one another and meet each week and challenge each other, love each other, encourage each other as we go out into the world and live for You, live righteous lives and share the good news of Jesus Christ. We Thank You for that, Lord. We thank You for the opportunity to pray together and to give uh, to the furtherance of the Gospel both near and far. We pray that You would bless in that area. Lord, we thank You for all of the singing, for the opportunity for us to sing as a church body together and to listen to the good choir sing and the praise team lead us, Lord. And Our hearts are full of worship and joy and thankfulness for all that You have done and You truly are a good Good Father. So I pray now that You'd be honored in this time as we have opened Your Word. We've read it now. And Father, I pray that You'd give me uh, grace and strength and wisdom uh, to say what You would want from this passage. I pray that the Spirit of the living God would do uh, the work that I cannot do and that between my mouth and Your Word and the hearts of all of the hearers here today, both lost and saved, critical and believing, that You would do a heart work on us. And surely, Lord, there's one here today that does not know You as Lord and Savior. They may have been in church all their life, or maybe this is the first time here. We want to pray that You would soften their hearts and show them Jesus Christ crucified and raised again for their sins and eternal life. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are in this room, Lord, that You would help us through these few points today 
to live better lives that are lives more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, not just so that we could say that we're better than others, so that we could humbly say that we're trying to live like Jesus, so that we can love the world around us as He would love them. We thank You and we praise You, for it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Remember when I first started in the book of Ecclesiastes, there are a few people here in the church uh, reading some of the passages and say, Pastor, you sure you want to do this? Are we not going to come out depressed having read the book of Ecclesiastes? And today you might think that a little bit from this kind of passage. The guy simply says it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of rejoicing. Well, I want you to know that God is not some sort of eternal killjoy. He is uh, not opposed to having fun but He does bring our attention and settle us down in this passage. And really, He drives home in this passage a few things that I think are incredibly serious and necessary for all of our fathers and all of our men, but I think that it fits every human being in this room today. And so, I'm just going to point those out in the time that we have and draw your attention to the verse. So, look back, if you would, at verse number 1. A good name is better than good ointment. And here's the elaboration on that point. You see, it's a, a comparison. He says, a good name or a good reputation or good character is better than a good ointment. And the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. He's not, he's not being morbid there. He's just saying, if you make it to the end of your life having had a good reputation and a good character, if you've gone through the ups and downs and ins and outs and valleys and mountains, that is human humanity and is relationships and you get to the day of your death and people say that was a person of Christ-like godly character, then you're well better off than somebody that still has a lot of life to screw things up before them. Here's the point from verse number one I want you to take down today. Taking a shower is better than putting on cologne. Alright? Now listen, all my sixth grade boys in here, you may not think that, right? You might think that if you have a, a whole bunch of body, uh, that, that Axe body spray, that you can just cover it all up. Now listen, now y'all, all my adults in here, don't you laugh either, because you did, all the men in here, you did the same thing when you were in sixth grade. But that's basically what verse number one is saying. A good name, a good reputation, good character, a truly good person on the inside who has God as their Father and Christ as their Savior and the Spirit as the guide and comforter of life who is seeking to live a Christ-like life in all that they do from the inside out. That person is better off than somebody who simply puts the cologne on to mask what is underneath. You see, being clean is way more important. Take Taking a shower is way more important than just simply putting on cologne in your life. And we laugh at that, but we are prone to do that. A good name is better than a good ointment. Now notice the, notice the contrast and the comparison between those two. You see, a good name or good character starts from the inside and goes out, whereas the good ointment may be good in itself, but it begins on the outside and it has no way to cover up what's truly on the inside. A good name, a good character, good righteousness in your life. It not only starts on the inside, but I would say this, that good character has a lasting value. Isn't that what it says? That it makes it to the end of one's days. 
Brothers and sisters, I say to all of us in the room today, father, mother, or everybody in between, if you think that you can just skid through life and make it by and somehow you'll just make it into heaven on credit, I want you to understand that the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked and whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. When you get to heaven, God will be interested in who you are on the inside. What kind of character and righteousness and conformity to Jesus you have on the inside. True character, true righteousness, true reputation is one that begins on the inside and it is that cologne or that perfume or that fake stuff that starts on the outside. True righteousness lasts to the end, but you know as well as I do that cologne wears off after a while, doesn't it? Now some of my women are looking up here smiling at me and saying, you have no idea how much cologne he puts on. We have, some, we have certain brothers that uh, I know when they have been on the elevator on Sunday morning. They got a trail of English leather a mile long. You know what I mean? Am I the only one in here whose mom bought them brute for Christmas every single month? Hey, cut that out of the recording. Mom's listening. Hey, doesn't matter how strong the cologne is. I was in church one time. I used to know this dear brother, and he had Old Spice, and he smoked. Now listen, this isn't a sermon on smoking. I'm just telling you, the brother smoked, and he, would, he didn't want anybody in church to know that he smoked, so he would smoke, and then he would douse on a whole bunch of cologne and thinking that that would take it away. But really, the, the blend between Old Spice and smoke just brings a little vomit up in the back of your throat. It, it is terrible. Well, listen. All cologne, all perfume wears off. And you want to know something? Every time we're fake, every time we pretend to the world that we're something that we're not, every time you want your children and you want your friends and you want those around you to think that you're godly, but they know who you are on the inside, it wears off. True godliness begins on the inside and comes out. True godliness and right character has a lasting, lasting value to it, whereas the cologne just fades away. And I would say this, true character and true righteousness is an honest representation of who you are. The cologne and the things that we put over top of ourselves to make up for our lack of righteous character, it's all fake. Can I just pause here for a moment and say the point that we need to get, maybe just laugh through that point, it's better to take a shower than to put on cologne. If you want to do both, that's fine with me. But maybe this week, God would just let that resonate in your mind. Every day when you get up and you take a shower, don't just take a shower of your own body on the outside, but take a shower on the inside and ask God to wash you and cleanse you Submit your mind and your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, look into the closets of my life. Look into those secret sins of my life and cleanse me of those. Rid me of those. I yield myself to You. I want to be pure and righteous and holy. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. It is better to be holy and righteous and clean on the inside by the grace and mercy of Jesus than to live a life full of fakery. Can I just pause for a quick moment and tell you, I, now listen, sometimes when kids grow up, they leave the church, 
And I, I'm, not some, I'm not one of those preachers that just piles on all of the people in the church, okay? When people grow up, every human being is responsible for the choices they make, whether to receive Christ or deny Him, whether to stay faithful to Christ's bride or to leave Him. Those individuals are responsible. But I do want to come back and say that the children and the youth and the young adults of this church, they are looking to the way that you live your life. And if you're full of dead men's bones, on the inside, although you're a whited sepulcher on the outside, as Jesus would say. Let me put that in today's term. If you come to church and wear the right clothes, carry the right Bible, say the right things, sing the right songs, have the right baptistic smile, and you get in that car and act like the devil on your way home, your children will see that and they won't want any of God. Amen. That was right. If i got to preach and say amen, I'm getting a raise. Alright, listen to me. Hey, don't you be one thing here and another at home. Don't, don't be duplicitous in your life. Don't live this dual life where you have your church life and your home life. You have your church life and your work life. Let me ask you this. Let me put it in this way. If I went, uh, if I went this week and asked your boss what kind of worker you were, what would he say? I, I, what, I'm not asking what he would say that you said and the speech that came out of you. But what kind of work do you give your boss? Do you put in 100%? Do you give your boss a legitimate week's worth of work? Do you treat people right? Do you, uh, do you act like a believer and live like the Lord Jesus everywhere and all the time? Don't live a fake life. It's better, hey, it's better to take a shower in Christ than it is to put on something fake. Because everybody sees through that. Alright? Let me give you a second point from the text today. Really, verse number 2 down through verse number 4 is one large point. Notice the repetition here of mourning. So he says, it is better to go to the house of mourning, watch the comparison now, than to go to the house of feasting, and he's going to give you a reason now. Why? Whenever you see because or so that in your English translation, it's going to give you a reasoning. Because that is the end of every man. You see, death is the end of every human being. And the living take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. You notice here the comparison again, as it was in verse number 2. Uh, go to the house of mourning or feasting. Verse 3, sorrow or laughter. For when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. And look again at verse number 4. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of the fool is in the house of pleasure. Three times it is repeated in this passage, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. So let me just put it this way if you're taking notes. See if you can remember it this way way. Thinking at a funeral is better than drinking at a wedding. You see that in the text? Let me say that to you again. Taking time to think and ponder and focus and get very serious about life at a funeral is better than just living life oblivious to everything that is real and serious. And partying it up at a, at a wedding. Now, of course, God loves weddings. 
The Bible teaches that, that we are His bride. And the Bible teaches that Jesus did His first miracle in John chapter number 4 at the wedding and wedding of Cana. God is involved in that. The Bible says that one day there will be this great marriage supper of the Lamb where all of the people of God, not some small sect somewhere, but from Genesis to Revelation, every human being that has come to faith in Christ will rise to meet Him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord and we will have this great marriage supper of the Lamb. God is the greatest fullness of joy in all the world, but He is wise enough to know this, that you learn more from funerals than you do weddings. We had a wedding here last Saturday. Had a wonderful time. A lot of joy. A lot of fun. Great time together. But sometimes in the regalia and the joy of all of that, we lose sight of some of the most serious things of life. And the text says that it's better for you to think and focus and be serious about what really matters at life. And you'll find that when you attend funerals, when you come to death, it shows you the brevity of life and how small you are and how great eternity is. Let me just give you two thoughts here. Look down at the text if you will. Thinking at a funeral is better than drinking at the wedding. Look at what he says in verse number 2. First of all, he says, because that is the end of every man and the living, take it to heart. Hey, I want to speak to all of you here today. Brothers, sisters, Maybe you're here and you're, you're critical. You're, it's the first time you've been in a church and you're wondering about all of what we're saying here. I think maybe you should just understand that your life, your life is short. And the Bible says that it's but a breath. It's but a vapor. You're here one day and gone the next. And in fact, nobody in this room is promised tomorrow. What if you don't live to see the sun come up tomorrow? I'm not trying to scare you. I don't want death to come upon any person. Jonathan Edwards, one of the great preachers of all time, said that he spent most of his time thinking about death. Now, I, want to, I think that's a bit morose, right? I don't think about death all the time. But I, I just want to ask, this past week, did you give any focused attention to the fact that your life will one day come to an end? And what you have done will matter. I just want to encourage you this week. Don't just live flippantly. Don't just live like you're at a party. In your relationships, and in what you do, and in what you say, and in where you go, Think about all of those things in light of the fact that you will one day die and stand before the God of all eternity and give an account for what you have done in the body. The way you treat people, God will hold you accountable for that. The thoughts that you have and the places that you go. You know, when you're young, you think that you're invincible that you'll live forever, that you have all the time in the world. I don't know if it, maybe it's just because of being in this position or not, but I'm privy sometimes. I just see, I, a few, not, not a month ago, I did a funeral for a 27-year-old boy. 
You don't think that kid thought that he had all of life in front of him? You don't think he you don't think that he had a career plans and family plans and life plans? I just want to say you need to be serious. Like there's time for laughter and fun, and, and y'all know me. I, I joke all the time, and you come up to the office, you're liable to get hit by a nerf arrow or something like that. We play, we have a great time, but I just want you to be serious about your life. Hey, the whole world out there is telling you not to be serious, not to take it serious, and I'm telling you, these things matter. You have eternal decisions to make in your life. And then look what it says here. Maybe a second reason. Because they take it to heart. Verse number 3. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. Isn't that an interesting turn of phrase there? I've been to funerals before where faces had tears rolling down their cheeks, and in their soul, in their heart, there was a joy. There was a peace that passed all understanding because they knew that the person that was lying in a casket in front of them had made the right decisions in life. They had trusted Christ Jesus. They had given their eternal soul to the only one who could atone for their sin. And they are alive and well in the Father's presence with the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. And so we miss them. We long for them. There's an emptiness there, but we know where they are. You can have tears on your face and joy in your heart. I want to say to you today, life is short and death will come. Where do you stand with the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you trusted Him? Have you turned from your sin, turned from trusting yourself, and put your whole heart and your whole life in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ? Turn from yourself, turn to Him, and ask Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, to give you eternal life. If you have not, I promise you, when you die, you will go off into eternal judgment. But if you have made the decision... You have taken it to heart that Jesus died for you and that He loves you and you've received Him. Then one day when your body lies cold, there'll be tears down the faces of people, but they will know that you have made the eternal right decisions to trust the Lord. I want to encourage you with that. Use time to think and be serious about the way that you live your life. You know, there's some of us in here and even in your Christian life, your service and the way that you treat people and your uh, commitment to church and all that we do in the furtherance of the kingdom, that that rides somewhere on the back burner of your life. And you're so busy with your work and you're so busy with your play and you're so busy with the things that are temporal. And one day you're going to find that what you dedicated so much attention to in the grand scheme of eternity, meant nothing. And what was so valuable, you spent very little time on. I'll give you a quick illustration of that and then we'll move on. It's like when I'm doing premarital counseling. 
I spend so much, we talk a lot about the wedding day. There's a lot of money that's spent on the wedding day and gowns and groomsmen and cakes and all of that. And, and, and the wedding is beautiful and it's wonderful. And I want to say you ought to have a beautiful wedding. Enjoy it. Soak it up. Don't spend too much money. But you ought to have, that ought to be a beautiful and wonderful day in life. But I don't know how many couples I, I spend time counseling with and they spent thousands of dollars on one day in their life and nothing in preparation for the rest of their life together. And now they're at each other's throats. They have un uh, uh, unreasonable expectations of each other. They can't communicate with one another. They don't know how to resolve conflict together. Their intimacy is destroyed and they're living as roommates under the same roof. I want to urge you today, be serious about the way that you approach life. Again, it's not that you can't enjoy, it's not that we can't have fun, but we got to spend time saying, hey, am I taking what I'm doing here as a Christian seriously? Let me give you a third point, we'll move quickly. Listen to wise people instead of your buddies. All right? Look at verse number five. Listen to wise people instead of your buddies. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise person than for one to listen to the song of fools. You know, in fact, earlier this week I almost put in here, listen to your pastor and not your buddies. But it doesn't say that, so I don't want to say that, okay? Just wise people, wise elders, leadership, those that have been walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what? Can I just say that again? I, I know I don't raise my voice much. Listen to wise people and not your buddies. You get in a fight with your the spouse and you go off and you know, play poker with your friends one night and, and of course they're all going to tell you, oh, you don't need her, you don't need this, and you can leave her. That's stupidity. Don't listen to your buddies. Listen to Jesus and listen to wise people believers in your life. Can I tell you something? The wisest people you'll listen to not necessarily means that they'll all pat you on the back. Okay? If, if you surround yourself with yes men or yes women, if the only friends you have are the kind of friends that will always tell you you're right and always tell you you're good and always tell you that everybody else is wrong, you have the wrong kind of friends. You ought to surround yourself. Yeah, listen, you don't, you, you can go far the other way too. You don't need a, you don't need a pit full of vipers that, you know, tear you down all the time. But you ought to have people in your life that can speak into your life and say, Hey, I love you. And because I love you, I want you to know you're going the wrong way. You're doing the wrong thing. You shouldn't have said this. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have been there. This is how you need to do it. And if you don't have that kind of confrontational, wise people in your life, then for heaven's sakes, go home today and get on your knees and pray and say, Lord, bring wise people into my life so that I don't go down the wrong way. Many of men have made the stupidest decisions of leaving their wives and buying Corvettes and getting in debt in their dumb midlife crisis because they listened to a band of brothers. Don't listen to your buddies. Listen to wise counselors in your life. Okay? 
Let me make another point from verse number 8. Well, yeah, verse number 8. Patience will keep you from looking stupid in your pride. Look at verse number 8. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. And watch here, patience or endurance, but patience of spirit. Inward patience of the heart of the spirit is better than haughtiness or pride of spirit. And this verse is in the context of inward conflict. And so when you're dealing with relationship conflict, whether that be in a uh, spousal relationship or with children or with friendships, when you're in the heart and the heat of conflict, it is better to demonstrate patience in your spirit than it is to demonstrate pride and haughtiness. The word here for haughtiness is one who speaks with uh, great volume when they know nothing. One, uh, one advisor I had one time uh, said as far as preaching, they said, listen, volume is never a substitute for content. Okay? Just because you preach louder doesn't mean you have anything better to say. How many of us in the heat of conflict feel like if we raise our voice, we'll have dominance over the other person? If I just speak louder, if I just make my point more forceful, And what we do is we raise the pride level of our heart. We think we know when we don't know. And really what we ought to be demonstrating is patience and kindness and and love toward the other person in the heat of conflict. I hope that you're listening this morning, not to me, but to the Word of God. And I pray that you'll take that deep in your heart, as all of us should. In the heart of conflict, be patient. Be humble. Be submissive. Don't run off and blow somebody out of the water and hurt their feelings and gossip and speak behind their back. And hey, listen, and I've seen this, and this is preemptive medicine. I don't think any of this is going on, but I've seen it time and time again in church where people will run their mouth to other people in churches about situations that they have no knowledge of. And the knowledge that they do have is faulty knowledge. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be haughty. Don't be prideful. Be patient. Be kind. Be submissive to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the brothers and sisters that are in this room and to each other. Amen? Uh, i got time for a couple of more and we'll call our quits for today. Look at verse number 9. Verse number 9. This stomps on all of our toes. Somebody last week said, Pastor, you, you stomped on my toes. And listen, if, if the sermon stomps on your toes, please know for the last six days, my heart has been torn in two trying to get this stuff right in my own life, okay? And the way I deal with it is I just wear steel toe boots to church, all right? Verse number nine Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Here's how I reworded that for us. Maybe just jot this down. If you're trigger happy with anger, you have the heart of a fool. I want you to pause and listen to me for a moment. If you're trigger happy with anger when it comes to other people, you have the heart of a fool. What you should be trigger happy to do is to listen Isn't there some verse in the Bible in the book of James that says something about being slow to speak and slow to anger and quick to listen? Isn't that what it says? Something along those lines? I might be paraphrasing, but you ought to be slow to speak and and slow to anger. 
You know, the word long-suffering comes from two Greek words that have been fused together. It means a long time to heat up. I fear that many of us in this room, we are quick-tempered, that we are ready, we're chomping at the bit. Where you want your first inclination is to get mad, to get angry, to prejudge people. If somebody does you wrong, listen, you're walking out here on your way home today and, uh, and, and you say, hey brother, how you doing? And they walk right on past you and they never say a word. And you know what most of us, our first inclination is to get angry. Well, I can't believe he didn't say hi to me. He must not like me. Well, you see if I ever sit by him at dinner on Wednesday night again. What a terrible human being. You're quick to anger. That's the heart of a fool. You know where your heart ought to be? You ought to get in your car and say something like this. Lord Jesus, I don't have any idea what she's going through. What he's going through. I pray that you'd help them. I pray that you meet the need of their life and their family and their hearts. And then you ought to say, and Lord Jesus, untold thousands of times, I have hurt people. I've done wrong. I've blown right by them. I've done that. And you've forgiven me. And you've loved me. Help me not to be prideful. And what if you sent that person a text? What if you emailed them? Huh. This, this, this still exists. I know y'all don't know this, but listen, it still exists. You can actually handwrite a card and it will be delivered in the mail. Did you know that? You got to pay a dollar and a half for a stamp, but you can still do a handwritten card. It will get there. Hey, just, I don't have time today, but I just want you to maybe think through that this week. Are you trigger happy on anger? When you get in a conflict, are you wanting to be upset? Or are you wanting to listen? I tell couples all the time, the, the, the main issue in arguing is not to win, it's to be understood. It took me a long time to work on that, and I'm still working on it. I kind of grew up in a context where whoever yelled the loudest won the argument, right? Can I get a witness on that? All right. Y'all don't want to leave me up here by myself. And... and, and uh, it took me a long time to realize, you know, the issue here, it's going to go much better in my relationship if I don't come out on top, king of the hill. I won the argument! And my wife is in shambles. The issue is to be understood. Listen. Uh, let me give you this. We'll call it quits for today. Verse number 10. Do not say... Why is that the for, uh, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is uh, not from wisdom that you ask about this. Here's what I would say: Living in God's presence now is better than living in your high school glory days. Yeah. I'll just close by saying this. Look, listen. You can listen to as much John Cougar Mellencamp and. And, and Bruce Springsteen as you want, but I'm telling you something. I love the song Glory Days, but if your mind is always going to the past for the glory days, you're missing the presence of God right now. I say that individually and I say that corporately. If you think that the glory days of this church were going by, you have failed. 
Were there glory days? Sure. But you better live in the presence of God now. You better seek Him and walk with Him and love Him and live in Him and be joyful for all that God is doing now in your life or it'll pass you by. That'll kill a church. Well, I remember when, you know what I found most of the time when I've gone back and done my research about people when they say, well, I'm telling you, one day in the past, there was, man, there were so many people in this church, they were hanging out the windows. That never happened. Ever. Ever. Most of the time, we all have a tendency to remember our glory days a lot better than they were. And you have a tendency to, can I say this, poo-poo on the present. You better be careful with that. God wants you to respect and enjoy and appreciate your past. I don't care if you're 90 or 10. God wants you to live in the eternal present right now. Love Jesus. Share the gospel. Witnesses to as many people as you can. Live for Him and enjoy all that God is doing now. I promise you, this last 15 or 20 years of your life, if you sit on the sidelines and watch other people struggle in the work of kingdom work, you'll give an account for that. So I can't do what I could, used to could. You still do something for Jesus. Amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Brothers and sisters, in a moment we'll stand on this Father's Day and sing a song together. The, he steps down here sometimes in this church as we sing at the last. People want to come down and pray. I want to welcome you. If you feel like maybe you need to come down and get some things right with the Lord or make some dedications, uh, please feel free to do that. You don't have to do that. You can sit right where you are and talk with God privately. That does just as good. But I, I want to say take this moment seriously. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as I said in the sermon, He came into this world and died for your sins and He rose again on the third day. And if you'll just quit, lay down your weapons of pride and say, Lord Jesus, I want You to be the King of my life. He will right now. If you ask Him to save you in sincerity and humility, He'll be the Lord of your life. And maybe for the rest of us, just a few staccato points today to walk out of here and say, yeah, that's, that's the way I need to be living. Just stand with us and sing together. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.